Thing. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host Terry Welbrock and excited to have with me today Robin Baldwin. So welcome Robin. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat. Yes, me too. I'm going to read your bio, which you just uh, sent over to me. So I'm going to scooch over here and read it because it's awesome. <laughs> I said I was stalking your pages and I was just like, oh my gosh, this, this lady, I so relate to you. So, mm. all right. Robin Baldwin is the founder of Autoimmune Thriving and an MS Thriver. Her mission in life is to empower those living with an autoimmune disease to thrive and not just survive. Autoimmune Thriving includes yoga retreats, an online program on healing, and a treatment fund for those in need of holistic healing assistance. Robin lives in Ottawa. Did I say that right? Yep. All right, good. With her husband and two fur babies, she is a full-time digital marketing director, a health and lifestyle blogger at robinbaldwin.com, the author of Love Lost, Life Found, a yoga teacher, the host of the Alpha Female podcast, and a passionate essential oil educator. She loves weightlifting, that's so cool, running, <laughs> yoga, and making seasonal bucket lists. After being diagnosed with MS in 2014 and starting out on a new health journey, she's transitioned from being an MS warrior, battling an autoimmune disease to an MS thriver, and living well with the health sidekick. That's so cool. Yay. Hey. Yeah. I mean, wow. That's fantastic. And I love it. And I love it that one of the things that really stuck out to me when I, when I was reading through all of your stuff it was... Um, the word that you you use, thriver, and and warrior was the other one. Um, mm -hmm. And I call myself a trauma warrior. As a matter of fact, I'll hashtag trauma warrior a lot on things that I put out because there's something about empowering about it. So, so yeah. So talk to us about this. Um, you know, the thriving business that you're doing. So when I was diagnosed with MS, I'll give a little bit of a backstory. I was diagnosed in 2014 and it happened actually quite fast. So in the MS world, sometimes the diagnosis can take years to happen. Mine happened quite fast because the right side of my body went numb over the course of a week. I drove myself to the hospital and started demanding tests in a very proactive way. And uh, I received one MRI, which showed demyelination on my spine. And then they said, you know, it's indicative of MS, but we can't be sure. So we need another test. So you have to stay overnight. Um, so I'm like, sorry, did you just tell me I have MS, but you're not really sure, but you just planted that word in my brain. My dad um, has MS. So I kind of knew what it was. I didn't really understand it at the time. Um, and thankfully, social media existed at the time and was quite robust. And so I immediately went onto Instagram and started looking at hashtag MS, hashtag um, multiple sclerosis. And unfortunately, I saw post after post. I call it the woe is me post, yes. which ha they have a place um, and space, I believe, in the healing community because sometimes we just need to be uplifted. But I just saw post after post of people with the exhaustion part of the disease just sharing selfies on their couch. Um, and just saying like, I feel horrible today. I like can't, haven't been able to do anything. And I was, I was just terrified. Um, but as I was looking through the post, I started seeing really vibrant pictures and people using the hashtag MS warrior. I was like, okay, let me go down this rabbit hole. Let me start looking, let me start looking at all these pictures. And I saw people taking care of themselves in a different way than maybe they had before. 
um, they were talking about nutrition, they were talking about stress management and exercise and what I call the building blocks of health, um, getting better sleep, reducing their toxic load. I was like, what the hell is a toxic load? Now I'm quite familiar with it. But I kind of went down that rabbit hole and saw these people who were empowered. Um, and I said, that's, that's what I want for my life. I, I knew that I technically I knew I had MS. Like at the minute they said that I had demyelination. I was like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. And I say that I went through the four stage, five, five stages of grief in the hospital really, really fast. I didn't want to spend any time in anger, sadness, uh, <laughs> depression. I just was like, let me go to acceptance. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's the overachiever part of it, right? Totally. Oh, yeah. And can you tell by my bio, I'm a uh, recovering overachiever. Um, <laughs> I'm so, an overachiever, so I totally relate. I get it. Still an overachiever, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live with this. I'm gonna figure this thing out from the start. Um, and so I adopted the MS warrior kind of moniker. I put it in my bio. Um, and on my personal bio, you actually won't know that I live with an autoimmune disease. I have really kind of stepped away about making it a part of my identity. Um, and it's only a part of my identity now because I'm building a business right. around autoimmune disease. But um, I believe that there's a time and a place for that warrior mentality. Yes. You have to fight for yourself. You have to fight for your healing, for, um, for your quality of life. Uh, and so I adopted the, you know, the MS warrior. I was like, I am going to prove that I am stronger than MS. I am going to fight this disease. And there came a part um, and a point in my life where I just said, okay, this isn't going away. I understand that autoimmune disease, there's no cause and there's no cure. And then I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. So instead of fighting it, why don't I just simply learn to live with it as something that's teaching me something every single day? And that's when I started really trying to understand this whole thriving mentality and that I could increase the quality of my life so that no one would ever know I had MS. I wouldn't have any disability. I wouldn't have any symptoms. Um, and that's where the thriving kind of started it was how do I learn to live with this disease so that I'm not fighting it every single day of my life right um yeah that's a beautiful beautiful way to look at it and I mean I get it again I had told you I I do the hashtag trauma warrior but I love it that people don't look at me and you know know my story and then when they do hear it they're like holy shit <laughs> what <laughs> because it, yeah, it's it's a part of me, but it doesn't identify me. And yeah, um, yeah I love that. And, yeah, and it doesn't rule your life. I think that's the right. other thing that's really interesting is that um, we c there's there's no timeline on healing, um, you know, and it could be our entire lifetime that we are healing different aspects of mental and physical health, and so. Uh, it's not something that disappears, but when we, when we talk about it every single day, when we identify with it, then it kind of takes control. So when you just simply say like, Hey, you're going to be my sidekick. I will, I will deal with you when I know I need to do Like when you tap me on the shoulder and be like, mm, you haven't been paying attention to me lately. Right. Then I'll be like, okay, let's hang out. All right. <laughs> let's figure this out. But 
um, I can't, I can't be identified. I can't be just MS. I have to be yeah. so much more as identified in my bio because I'm trying to do all the things. <laughs> right, right. One of the things that I think is really cool about what you're doing, and I just want to give you big kudos for it, is, is just that holistic approach and teaching people that. Because I know for me personally, you know, I was switching physicians, my longtime physician, primary care physician, retired. And so I started to call around, they'd given me this list and, you know, it was through Mercy Health, which is a big organization in Cincinnati and tons of doctors. And I started calling and saying, I'm looking for someone that has a more holistic approach and doesn't just want to throw a pill at everything, like, you know, about healthy choices, you know, a healthy lifestyle. And I really, really struggled to find somebody. Um, which was surprising to me. And so I finally came across somebody and occasionally she, you know, she'll laugh at me and be like wanting to throw a pill at something. And I'm, then she's like, I know, I know, I just have to say it, but I know you won't do it. And, and it's true. Like my, my, um, cholesterol had gone up. And so it was like, Oh, well you can take this prescription. And I was like, you know, that's not going to happen. So I made changes in my diet and I made changes and I was hiking, but I started to swim and I got on my bike and I started to do more. And then my cholesterol, everything was fine. Hmm. So, yeah. So cool. And what's really interesting about all these names for um, health so I, di I did a post on my Instagram because someone was like, well, if you're teaching about holistic health, like, are you just a hippie plant lover? Um, and I was like, no, holistic health is the entire picture. So yeah. I'm not for conventional or for alternative. I'm for using every single modality that's available to us. And I have personal beliefs around big pharma. We can get into that, but um, I made very specific decisions for my health. Like I chose not to take a disease modifying drug, which is a standard treatment in MS because I wanted to see if I could increase the quality in my life without the side effects. Right. Um, and I wanted to see if I could live a healthy lifestyle and reduce the progression of my disease without it because the side effects terrified me. So that was a personal decision, but I'm not for or against. Right. Whatever. No, yeah. I know. People Whatever someone it. chooses, yeah. Right. Uh, but I just think that there's so many things we can do from a lifestyle design perspective to increase the quality of our life, whether or not we're taking, um, you know, uh, a pill or conventional medicine, because sometimes sometimes it's so necessary. Yeah. But um, I absolutely love, you know, and it worried my parents. It worried my um, fiance, now husband. He was like, "Well, what happens if your disease gets worse?" I was like, "I'm monitored once a year." If my disease progresses at that time, I will reevaluate my. And then at the back of my mind, I was like, well, I better prove <laughs> right. Like I overachieved at healing. I was like, I'm going to do all the things, um, which was exhausting. And we can also talk about that when you like overachieve at healing. Um, but yeah, the, the holistic health, it was like, how can I just teach people about little changes that they can make in what I call the five building blocks of health? How can I teach people to do that? And then they can see the improvements. They can gain more energy. They can feel better in their bodies. And then they can tackle different aspects. And if that is eventually coming off of a um, something that causes side effects, amazing. Then, you know, then my purpose is, is doing really well in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Beautiful. I love it. So you, you do yoga and I mean, it's, it's kind of a mind, body, soul approach. Yeah, it's all the things. So I started with what was like intuitively easy for me to do. Um, and it was also based on what people were recommending at the time. So I announced the next day after my diagnosis, I didn't keep it to myself. Um, I, pr- I share quite publicly my entire life on social media. So, so do I. <laughs> I was just like, I literally was lying in the hospital bed crafting the Instagram post in my head. I was like, how am I going to tell everybody I have MS? Like literally that was what my thoughts were. Not, not immediately like, how am I going to, yes, it was kind of, how am I going to live with this MS? But it was like, I have to tell everybody. I need support. I need love. Um, And I shared literally the next day. um, And I, I also learned that there's four different types of people in the world. The um, opinion givers the uh, I'm so sorry this happened to you people the uh, what is something that I can do to help you like what is something practical how can I support you um, not just um, like if you need me let me know right, <laughs> uh, right. which is like I don't know what I need, so I don't know how to let you know. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's the not not the opinion givers but it's like the um, I've heard about this. Here's a resource for you to research. Oh yeah. Right. Um, and so if I hadn't done the public post, I wouldn't have gotten all of the research sharers um, who shared, you know, different Ted talk videos of doctors that were healing themselves with MS or the books that I was able to read. Um, and so I was introduced to nutrition as a healing uh, modality right away. And so I optimized that first. Um, and then I was already seeing a naturopath at the time. So it was kind of, you know, next step to optimize my vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then I started doing a whole bunch of research on stress and sleep. So I was like, okay, I'm really not good with stress. So let me just park that one for a while. Still, (laughs) still trying to figure out that one. Um, but I knew I could optimize my evening routine, my morning routine. I could get eight hours of sleep. So I tackled that. Um, I was learning all about autoimmune disease. Just, I like to think of it as causing confusion in the body. Our bodies are just confused and don't know how to have proper immune system function. And so I was researching toxins and all of my exposure over the years. And how could I reduce that? Um, not live in a bubble but just simply reduce the exposure um, and reduce the load on my body through detoxing, which is uh, a word that I don't completely love. Um, but learning how to support my organs and metabolizing things out of my body is probably a little bit easier. Um, and then I was like, okay, let me, let me tackle this stress because really stress management is so instrumental um, in the mental heart, mental yes. health part of a, you know, an autoimmune disease is technically something that affects your physical health, but it has so many, you know, wider legs in mental health. So yes. I was tackling body things first because I wanted to feel better in my body. I wanted to reduce the symptoms that I was having. I wanted to halt my immune system attacking itself. And then I was like, okay, how do I make sure I maintain my fitness? I was an elite obstacle course racer at the time. Wow. So I had signed up for 20 races the year after my diagnosis or 15, I managed to do 20. That was me trying to prove I was stronger than MS. Please note that my adrenals taught me that they were stronger than me. <laughs> I gave myself adrenal fatigue. Um, 
but so that was like the body and then I was like okay let me go back to I've been practicing yoga my um pretty much my entire adult life I started in university which was way back in 15 years ago okay and I was like let me go back to my mat let me learn to be gentler and softer on myself because as in you know we've joked about overachieving I was overachieving at fitness I was a fitness competitor um and then I went to obstacle course racing so I was you know, I joke around that I hung up my sparkly bikini for mud and monkey bars. Um, <laughs> but I was still trying to like prove that I was stronger than this disease. Right. Um, and so I, I needed to learn rest and relaxation, which then led to a little bit better stress management. Um, but then the spiritual and like emotional side of healing was something I was then introduced to with different book recommendations. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, let me tackle this next. So it kind of progressed, progressed intuitively. Nobody told me what to start with. Um, it literally was like, what's easiest for me to tackle? And then how do I, and then it was like, what's next? And I'm still that way. I'm like, okay, what's next? What else can I try? Yes. Oh (laughs) my gosh. I totally, I totally get it. And I, I say it's, I call it filling your toolbox with coping skills. I saw one of the things you use is mindfulness. And that's one of my favorite things um, to utilize, you know, in my healing journey. And yeah, I've done Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing. And I've done, you know, EFT tapping and I've done yoga and meditations and mindfulness. And I love all of it because I think all of it is just, I take something from all of it and learn a little bit and Sometimes I'll go back and utilize things like I use mindfulness probably the most. Um, but yeah, meditation, journaling, all of it is, is a part of my daily routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love it that you're, you're that person that, you know, keeps on striving to find the answers and then share it with others, which is mm-hmm. yeah, really cool. Now, have you ever gotten to a moment where you uh, I'm a list maker so have you ever gotten to a, a moment where you like have created such a laundry list of all of the healing modalities that you love and you've looked at it and you're like, that is a lot and get overwhelmed. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I created, I actually created, um, you know, like a, um, oh God, I'm so drawing a blank, almost like a little ebook that I put on my website that people can download of, you know, anxiety coping guide, as I call it. And it's just things I've used. And, and when I started, and it doesn't even have like probably a fourth of the things I've learned and utilized, but it just kind of compiled something because I had friends and family reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I have anxiety when I fly or hey, I have, you know, I have anxiety attacks when this is going on. And so I just kind of put it together for myself and then handed it out, you know, gave it, offered it to people. But, and it's simple things like smile. And, but then I give a description of there are times when it, when you force a smile upon yourself when you're scared that it can just shift the chemical, you know, reaction in your, in your brain enough that it helps me to get a grip on a panic attack if one was starting to ensue. And so I really, really, really did use it. We were in, um, we flew to Denver to see my son three weeks ago who had moved out there in 2018 and um, not a big fan of flying, not a big fan of heights. Well, we're in the mountains and then we went up to Estes Park, which was beautiful, but I'm (laughs) afraid of heights. So I found myself when we were flying was the example that I thought of 
and I made myself smile and I could just feel the anxiety just start to dissipate mm. in my body. And it's simple, but yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, sometimes it's just like having these laundry lists yeah. and looking at them and being like, okay, what does my body intuitively, what is my intuition telling me I need most right now? And it's yeah. not trying to overachieve it. So um, I have a story about how um, I was constantly overachieving at healing. I was like, okay, in the morning, I'm going to have my warm water with lemon essential oil. And then I'm going to have like one cup of coffee. And then I'm going to have my fiber. And then I like have all this list. And then I'm like, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to shower. I'm going to dry brush. I'm going to oil pull. And it's just like list after list after list. And as I started incorporating all these habits, they felt really good, but it was a lot. And I remember having um, a panic attack one day and my now husband, like, what's, you know, talk to me, what's wrong, use your words. Um, and I was saying, like, I just don't feel like I'm doing everything possible for myself. He's like, babe, you do a lot. Like, you do a lot for your healing. And I was like, but if I don't do everything, like, what if my disease progresses? Right. Yeah. You don't have to do everything every single day. So it was all in my head. I didn't have like a manual of what I was doing. He was like, just write everything out. Like take a schedule. I actually have the paper beside me that I did. My friend made this. It's a daily hustle guide, but there's my schedule and all the times. So I literally wrote down everything I do during a day and it's on our fridge. So I can refer to it and be like, oh, you know what? I haven't had tart cherry juice in a while for anti-inflammation in the evenings. Let me buy that on the grocery list. So I like referring to it every now and again, but I'm glad I've gotten to a place where I don't literally have to do every single thing yeah. every single day. Um, right. But that was a process because I literally thought it was my duty to do all of the things all of the time. Oh my gosh. And I, I can totally relate to that because I have, um, you know, I kind of took a step back from, I was, you know, I had it literally on my calendar, meditate, write chapter of book, you know, do this, do that, like everything that I, that was a part of the healing journey. And so I would, it was almost like a to-do list of healing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get it. And then I, I did take a step back from it all. And now I'll, if I feel the urge to journal and really get something down, I'll do it. Um, but I don't, I no longer force myself, like, which is what I was starting to do was, you mm -hmm. know, that I have to continue this pattern. Um, yeah, so good. I love it. I did a series on my podcast. So I interview strong, ambitious women that I call alpha females on the alpha female podcast. And this year, I've been really drawn to diving into topic series. So I have a whole bunch of guests that we all talk about similar things. So there's a little bit of continuity. And I decided to tackle masculine and feminine energy because it's actually built into the alpha female definition, even though I wasn't a student of the, the energy. Uh, alpha is the masculine do energy and female is obviously the, the feminine energy. And so I've had beautiful guests on the show sharing their personal opinion and definitions because there's literally no like Webster definition of what this is. But my understanding of the two energies is masculine is do, um, it's time and space, it's rigidity, it is holding, like holding space for things, it is safety, security. 
and feminine energy is movement and creativity and going with the flow. But sometimes you need the, the rigidity or the, I, the container. So sometimes you need the schedule, what gets scheduled gets done. But then sometimes you need the creativity and like the spontaneity of, you know, instead of sitting on a meditation cushion and meditating, maybe you need to turn on some music and dance in your office instead. Um, so it's allowing yourself to be a little bit more intuitive and really listen to what you need versus being like, I must do these five things. Yes. That's so masculine energy driven. Yeah. Yeah. I love that philosophy. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm a big energy fan anyway. I love feeding, like picking up energy from people. And yeah, I love it. Uh, one of the other things um, that you talked about that I definitely want to have you talk a little more about is the treatment fund. So what is that? Mm. So it's brand new and it's just started. Um, so I dreamed up this kind of idea because I wanted anything that I sold for monetary value to have purpose other than um, just paying my bills. And in the autoimmune community, I see kind of a like a, what's the word? Like kind of two communities. There's those that are very financially well off and they're able to take care of themselves with all of the holistic healing modalities, including a lot of alternative medicine, which isn't covered um, in Canada specifically under our benefit plans. Um, in the U.S., it would be, I guess, insurance plans. Right. So, you know, if Reiki is a healing modality that is serving you really well, sometimes you can't afford it. Or maybe you can only afford so many massages a year, but your body is craving weekly or monthly massages. Um, and so one, I'm really passionate about how we can create financial wealth in the autoimmune community so that they can take care of themselves with everything that they're striving for. I haven't figured that one out yet. That'll be like the evolution. Um, but I thought, what can I do now? So if I'm selling tickets to a yoga retreat or if I'm selling enrollment spots in an online program, and the people that are able to invest in these programs are financially well off. How can they also support the community? So um, the yoga retreat that I held in the spring, I took a portion of the funds that I could pay for somebody to go get a massage. Yeah. And I literally just found somebody. So this was in May and I promoted it everywhere. I promoted it on my social media. I promoted it in a local um, autoimmune Facebook community. So I also was trying to support my massage therapist. So it had to be local in my area. In the future, I'm going to make it so that it is not location specific. Um, but I literally couldn't get anyone to raise their hand and be like, I want that gift. Yeah. Um, because I think there's um, shame and guilt around saying I'm, you know, not financially able to take care of myself to all of the, the things that I want to do. But so I finally had to say, I need you to message me if you don't have benefits, like if you do not have benefits in Canada um, because you're not working full time, let's say you're an entrepreneur, um, then you may not be paying for private healthcare. So someone who does not have benefits, like please message me. No one would message me, like no one raised their hands on social media. And then I went to get my eyelashes done uh, a few weeks ago and I'm 
just chatting with the lady doing my lashes and we start talking about autoimmune disease. She's telling me that she's super struggling with things right now. She doesn't have benefits. She's sharing all these things without me cueing her. And after, at the end, um, I just said, uh, as my tip, I would love to gift you oh. with a massage. Yeah. So I finally found someone. So the Autoimmune Thriving Fund has had their first gift. Yay! Um, <laughs> and this lady has been able to, she hasn't had a massage in over a year. So I sent her to my massage therapist and I'm super excited. So yeah. same thing, uh, any proceeds, um, I'm taking a portion of the, the profits. So what I would be putting into my pocket and I'm going to take 10% um, and put that aside for the treatment fund. So in the future, uh, what I'll be doing is I'll simply be gifting it to um, someone's practitioner. So the way that I'm uh, envisioning it is that, you know, you would book a Reiki healing session or you would book a massage therapy and I would just pay the practitioner directly from the treatment fund. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what a beautiful way to, what a beautiful way to give back. Yeah. I love it. We have, you know, we were talking before we started recording um, Sammy, our therapy dog and my daughter who's, she's now 13, but at the time she was 11. 11 um, came up with this little Sammy's bundles of hope is what we called it. And so we had all these people donate bags, like little drawstring bags. And then people donated, um, you know, like Play-Doh and stress balls. And I have a whole pile of stuff here next to me on my desk, but in the basement, we have a table filled with stuff. And so we take these, bags and then we wrote a children's book about Sammy called the doodle with the noodle and <laughs> we so we take a copy of that and we donate it in these bags and then we give them out to um, you know schools and homeless organizations that have you know children that house children mm. um, you know any child who is having high anxiety and high stress in their lives and man it's just such a good feeling to go and um you know, know that I'm helping a kid out and, um, and Madison's a part of it and we bring Sammy along. So, you know, everybody gets to meet Sammy, which is always a highlight too. So I yeah, I get it and I love it. And thanks for doing that for people. So I joke around. Um, so every year on my birthday I do, they're not random acts of kindness anymore because they're planned. So I call them <laughs> planned acts of love. Um, so I left a very toxic relationship in 2012 and called off my wedding just a month before. And I turned 30 that year as well. And I didn't celebrate my birthday. I didn't want to see anybody. I was so full of grief that I just, I ignored it. And I had really lost myself in the relationship. So when I was tackling the first year being single after that, uh, I didn't want to rely on anybody else to make my birthday amazing because in my 20s you know you you'd go out to a club or you'd go out for dinner and you like would rely on people to show up oh right yeah yeah and I had really uh realized that I was basing my happiness on other people so I hadn't learned the concept that I get to choose my own happiness so this is where my seasonal bucket list obsession has come in is I've created seasonal bucket lists every year since that for my summer and my winters to make the most of our short summer and then try to enjoy our cold winters. Right. Um, but it was also trying to teach me like how to spend time on my own, how to do things with groups or maybe like first date ideas. And then my birthday is the same kind of thing. It's like, I don't want to rely on anyone to make my day special. 
So I am selfishly <laughs> going to do selfless things um, because there's no way I can have a bad birthday if I spend the entire day doing things for other people and oh seeing my gosh. Yeah. and surprise. Yeah. So I love doing selfless things for really selfish reasons. Yes. I just <laughs> said that to somebody the other day. I said, you know, I think I get so much joy out of like the Sammy stuff or doing stuff. And I feel selfish at times for it because it makes my heart happy, you know? Yeah, yeah, but it's well, it's part of healing. Yeah. Um, so I, there are worse selfish acts in the world. So <laughs> yes, that is so very true. So very true. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. So, and you've written a book as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's come. It's uh, the first few chapters are telling my story about being in that relationship. I lived with someone who was mentally ill. Um, and I truly lost myself in the relationship and participated by staying in the relationship that wasn't serving me. Yeah. Um, so I tell a little bit of the story so someone might be able to see themselves in it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going through that too. Uh, oh, those are warning signs I've ignored as well. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like six chapters of the book are just how I learned to find a life that I absolutely adore. So this is what I do is I... I go through something, I learn how to heal, and then I teach. Um, yeah. So yeah, the book is helping people find a life that they love after um, having a broken heart. And so now that's what I'm doing with this autoimmune thriving program. Yeah. Is I've learned how to thrive after an autoimmune disease diagnosis, and I am teaching all of the steps that I took to find a life that I'm thriving in. So I love it. I love finding a kindred spirit because, man, <laughs> you're, you're speaking to the choir with me because I get it. I'm, in the, I'm finishing up the manuscript for my first book and same thing, like telling my story. Uh, but my, mine is like at the beginning of a chapter, I tell, you know, one of my trauma throughout you know, my first 22 years of life, like a trauma story. And then a lesson I learned within that trauma of strength or forgiveness or whatever. And then three exercises for readers to embark on, you know, to trigger their own healing journey and things that they do. Um, so yeah, I love it. I, I love it when, you know, those of us who have been through a difficulty of whatever it is, and then we finally reach that place where, you know, we, we do heal and, um, and then we can turn it around and shine that light of hope into the lives of others. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. I just, it just hope is such a powerful, powerful tool and uh, providing that hope is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. There's, um, I think it was Gabby Bernstein that says the, the message is in the mess or your message is your mess, um, something around that. So um, it is. And then I have a, a friend who says her mantra is we are here to learn and to teach. Um, and so I absolutely love that because it gives, I don't want to say purpose, but it gives a different perspective on something that we have gone through or are going through. And after spending the time to take care of ourselves and truly learn healing, um, I think that's, that's super important. And that timeline is going to be different for everybody. There's a, there's a big theme in the self-development world and a lot of people getting angry with people teaching things um, too soon. 
after going through something or not spending like enough time becoming an expert. But literally, you know, if you spend a month meditating and it brings you peace, there is no reason why you shouldn't be able to teach that to somebody else. Yes. Um, so I, I get the whole, you know, you should spend time learning, at getting certifications, or really diving into what you want to teach. But there's no reason why uh, more people in this world can't be teaching something that has benefited, benefited them because there's someone else that is looking for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent for all, such a long time. I thought I wasn't, you know, like worthy of, of, t of writing my book because I, you know, quote unquote, wasn't healed yet or, you know, fixed and I was still broken. But then I was like, Oh my gosh, that, there's a beauty in, in being still in the process of learning and a beauty in still being in the quote unquote broken phase still <laughs> and helping people and saying, you know what, you can live a life filled with joy and peace. Um, even in the midst of, you know, MS and, or, or panic attacks or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, yeah. Beautiful. And so. healing doesn't have like a line. Like there's no, right. you, you don't, you don't cross the line and you're healed. There's no like person giving you a certificate saying like you have <laughs> undergone 300 hours. I'm just, I'm using like, I have my yoga certification, so I went, underwent 200 hours training. But it's like, there's no like, you have undergone 200 hours of anxiety and panic You can now teach how to get nice. through it. Um, so th there's nothing like that. But if you spend time and you're like, okay, I've done this multiple times. It's working for me. Like, why can't I teach mindfulness to somebody yeah. else? Um, yeah, if I like really want to take it seriously, then yes, I'll take the courses and I'll do all the things. Um, there's something else that I wanted to say about the book. Uh, I think so many of us uh, have a really hard time with work and worth um, and, you know, creating something that will have a monetary benefit to ourselves. We're like, can we do that? Like, are we allowed? Um, but also, it, sometimes we just have to start owning that. We have to learn that that's a money block. And then also realizing that, it doesn't have to just be for somebody else. So Elizabeth Gilbert said this in her, I think it's podcast in her book, Big Magic. It's like, don't write a book for me. I don't care. Write the book because you need to write the book. So, so many times these self-development books are our, 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 th our therapy. Like I wrote Love Lost by Found partly for my own therapy. And if it then impacts somebody else, cool. That is awesome. It's out there in the world to help somebody else heal. But I wrote it for me, for my therapy. Um, so I I'm owning that. I needed to hear that because I've been dragging my feet on finishing up this manuscript. Yeah, you're not writing it for anybody else. You're simply writing it for you. And then you'll put it out into the world and somebody will find it and it will impact them. But your therapy will have progressed so much more because you finished it. Yeah. Well, thanks. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> finish up here and I'll start writing. <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> All right. So anything else that you want to touch on uh, before we wrap it up? No, I think we covered so much. I just have a passion for empowering people and teaching them confidence. So I never pretend to be an expert in any of the things that I'm teaching. I involve so many different experts. Um, my autoimmune thriving program that's currently open for enrollment right now, 
I have an expert coming in every single week to talk about uh, the different modules that I may not know everything in. So I have a registered holistic nutritionist, a naturopath, a chiropractor, a functional medicine doctor. Um, but what I am really good at is teaching people the confidence in figuring out a healing plan for themselves um, and then understanding kind of where to get started, learning how to listen to your intuition and then just simply attacking it. Um, so having that warrior mentality to thrive. Wonderful. Um, yeah, so I'm super passionate about that. Um, and if somebody's listening to this after the program closes, um, then the best place to come hang out with us from an autoimmune thriving perspective is on Instagram. So I am absolutely loving growing that community of thrivers. And it's just at autoimmune thriving, all one word. Okay, at autoimmune thriving. And then what is your website for? And then is that where people can get a hold of you and? Yeah, so autoimmunethriving.com is kind of the hub. They can find about the retreats, the program, and the treatment fund. Um, and then from a personal perspective, I hang out on at Robin Baldwin. And Robin's with a Y, and the Baldwin is like the Baldwin brothers. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, it's been an absolute joy to have you here with me today. And Max has been, he's been a pretty good boy. He wanted so much <laughs> to keep popping his head up, and I was trying to keep him down. <laughs> I say hi, buddy. He wants to make a camera appearance. <laughs> he just wants, to, he wanted to be loved, and so I had to reach over and grab him. So <laughs> he's been a good boy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for holding space for me on your podcast. I oh, truly it's, appreciate it's it. Really been a joy. And again, thank you for everything you're doing to shine the light of hope and healing. And um, yeah, everyone, thank you for joining us today. And until next time, remember be gentle with yourselves. Thanks. Bye bye.